Everybody and welcome to True Stories of Tinseltown. And I am here with one of my favorite guests, and I know you guys love him too, the Wunderboss, John DeLeo. How are you, John? Hey, Grace. Good to be back with you. I always have so much fun with you. Me too. We have so much fun. And you know, last time I'm going to ask you to do this, John. You remember we we did Christmas, or I don't know what we were doing, and I was saying, "Cut oh. me off." Cut. Oh, we did Death, Death in Hollywood. Oh, oh they showed gosh. Death. And yeah. I, I'm describing a Christmas Carol, the whole movie. And yeah. John, stop me! Yeah. Stop me! So if <laughs> I go, like, who doesn't know the thing and what the movie's about? Really, you know? Yeah, right. Okay. So you have my permission to cut me off if I go into one of my, um, okay. you know what I mean? My, you know, my mind goes lo- lost in a plot and can't get back. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or I just go <laughs> off. You know, I just go off in another direction. I go crazy. I'll reel you in. Okay. Do it. Yes, that Got is. Got it. Thanks so Got much. It. It's perfect. All right. And um, today we're going to do a really good. Uh, it's it's award winning Oscar season, which is weird because of um, the pandemic and everything. But today, John and I are going to do a show, and I'm calling it "They Was Robbed," and we are going to talk about people in classic Hollywood and old Hollywood that actors and actresses that were never ever nominated for an Academy Award, and we believe they was robbed, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a great, it is a great topic, Grace, because, um, you know, we all know that Barbara Stanwyck never won and Greta Garbo never won and Cary Grant, but they had a couple of shots. Right. But now we're going to talk about the ones they didn't even get invited to the party. Which was terrible. So, yeah. And so you yeah. get to start. Why don't you start up? Well, I guess I'll start with a with a big one. Uh, Myrna Loy, who is probably the most major of the major movie actresses of the golden age, who who was never nominated for an Oscar. It seems insane, um, particularly for The Thin Man, since it was up for Best Picture. It was such a smash hit. It led to all the sequels. And William Powell was nominated for Best Actor. And it was so reliant on the teamwork, yes. the comic chemistry, that it just seems insane, as I said, without nomin- not to nominate both of them. And even after that, they could have corrected themselves <laughs> somewhere along the way, but they never did. And uh, she did get a, a special one very late in life. Um, you know, what, I guess they call those the deathbed Oscars yes. just in the nick of time. <laughs> yeah. But that really, if they were going to give her a special one, they should have given it to her in the 1960s when she wasn't working that much. And she would have still been beautiful and been able to get up there, you know, and, and still been not necessarily in her prime, but still a vital person right. as opposed to waiting till you're in your 80s. Um, but the other obvious one for her would be the best years of our lives. Oh, I now, thought the she prob- was wonderful. Yeah, the problem with that role is just that it, she sort of doesn't really disappear, but she makes such a strong impression in the first part, and then she, she doesn't really get to emerge 
um, as significantly as the three men. Of course, they are the subject of the movie. So in that way, you can see why she was slighted, um, even though her the homecoming scene is perhaps the most famous moment in the movie. And it is so beautifully acted. It, it can make you cry, even if you're not watching the whole movie. Yes. You just see the clip and you can start crying. So it, she certainly, no one would have begrudged her a nomination for that. But at least we understand it was basically the more about the role than the, the performance of explaining why she wasn't. However, I would add there were two, actually three other ones I would add that deserved uh, nominations. One was earlier than The Thin Man, and it's a little-known movie called The Animal Kingdom with Leslie oh, I love Howard that one. Yes. and Anne Harding. Oh, she's great. And she's so subtle. And subtle's not a word you use a lot when you're talking about uh, early talkies in the pre-code Pre era. Yeah. But this is such a subtle performance of a sort of temptress. I mean, oh, it's sort of—it's her husband. I mean, it's her husband, but keeping him away from his soulmate, Anne Harding. And she is so good, so mesmerizing. And again, the confidence to play it so subtly. And then I would add two other uh, dramatic performances from her peak years in the 30s when she was the queen of Hollywood. Uh, Test Pilot, which she's really marvelous. She was as wonderful. Clark Abel's uh -huh. uh, wife, worrying uh, so much about him every time he goes up in the air and forming such a bond with his best friend, Spencer Tracy. And then in The Rains Came... Oh, she was great uh, in, in that. Which she's another oh. a woman with a past, right? Um, falling for the doctor Tyrone Power. Um, Who could blame her, Tyrone? Yeah, <laughs> right. in that movie. Ooh. Yeah, she's of course. Nineteen thirty nine was that impossible year to get nominated because right. it was so there were so many candidates, but she really is uh, marvelous. So that's five I came up with that you know. She certainly should have been in the race uh, all all five of those times. She was so. really good. What do you think they? Um, I love the Animal Kingdom, and it's. Yeah. I don't believe. I think it's in the public domain. So if you guys want to check it out, it's pretty. Uh, I think it's usually always on YouTube. The yeah. Animal Kingdom. It's Leslie Howard. Do you know, I, I, I was at um when that came back. It had sort of disappeared forever. I don't know if it was believed lost or it was the rights issue, whatever. But mm -hmm. it had a screening in Manhattan at which Myrna was invited and was there. Oh, how cool. And I got to go to it. No one in the audience had seen this movie since, it, you know, whenever. I don't even know if it had ever been on television. But, um, you know, she was in the box and, you know, waved to the audience when it was over. But it was, uh, uh, I, that was probably sometime in the 80s. I guess I was hey. fairly new to New York. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's all. <laughs> yeah, but how cool to see it there yeah. and Myrna's in the yeah. whole place. But it's a really good movie for you guys to check out. And, yeah. you know, early in pre-codes, generally Myrna was yeah. the, the temptress or the exotic. And sexy. You know, right, yeah. Eurasian. And then she became everybody's favorite wife kind right. of thing. But um, she was great. And there's an also another one she did with Anne. Uh, not that she was, it, she should have been nominated for, but when um, ladies meet. Yeah, I like that one, too. I yeah, do, too. Her hair was terrible in that movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love her 
acting. And I love Anne Harding, who can be a little stilted sometimes when she stands there and poses. But I think she's a very yeah. good actress. You guys, yeah. a lot of you probably don't know who she is, but she uh, she did tons of pre-code films. And, yeah. Um, yeah, but Myrna, I agree with you 100%. And um, The Rains came. I for- forgot about that performance. She was wonderful yeah. in that. She really was. Yeah. And when you mm-hmm. think about it, if we just say, I want to ask you what you think about, you, and I don't know how to pronounce your last name. You do. You're wonderful. We were talking about Dadsworth, and that woman was on maybe four minutes of film. Oh, um, Maria Uspanskaya. Yeah. And she yeah. gets the best supporting actress thing. Which, yeah. Her part is major, and it's a wonderful role. Do you believe that people who are in a movie for four or five minutes should get best supporting actor or actress? Well, it's a tricky thing. I mean, I guess the most famous examples, of course, Beatrice Strait right. Network and mm-hmm. Judy Dench in um, Shakespeare in Love. And, you know, part of it is the writing. I mean, those roles were both so beautifully written to get our attention. And then right. when you get really good people in them, they just go through the roof. And so you certainly can't expect people to win for roles that small. And I'm sure they don't think they're going to win anything. They're just sort of like, well, I had my couple of days on this film. It was a juicy scene, whatever. Um, but in both those cases, you know, everyone remembers them. And so that's, um, you know, there are so many not so great longer performances that it's, have won. Well, so yes, you're right. I certainly don't begrudge those two. No, um, or but yeah, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing because, yeah, how do you compare someone who's got a role that lasts an hour with a, someone who's in it for five minutes? I mean, of course, none of it's fair, so it's just another True, one of those exactly. things. exactly. If it were yeah. fair, Myrna would have had an award. Exactly. And she wouldn't exactly. have had to wait till 80-something to get her last. something It's disgraceful. Right. Okay, yeah. I'm going to talk about Joseph Cotton, who mm. I love. And you love him, too, I know. I, think I do. You, I and do. you did a wonderful um, book about, what? what's it, 100 Underrated? or 100, 100 Great Film Performances You Should Remember But Probably Don't. And it's a great and, book. And it's a, it's about basic sort of what we're talking about, right. although some of the people obviously were winners. But Myrna's in it for uh, The Rains Came. And, uh, well, I'll let you talk about Joseph yes. first, and then I'll cut back to me. But Joseph worked all of his life. He, he did like 70s yeah. movies of the week. Yeah. I mean, he played good guys, To He played the devil and the devil's daughter in the 70s. So, I uh, mean, he kept working, and he but he was always a good actor, very dependable, very... And I think because he, I don't know, he he wasn't flashy, he wasn't whatever, that he didn't get his props. But this movie that I think it was criminal that he was not nominated and didn't win an award for, it's Alfred Hitchcock's favorite movie, allegedly, Shadow of a Doubt. And it's not Mm -hmm. huge. You got, you know, it's not like a psycho or big vertigo or one of these kind of ones that you're going to, a rear window. But it, it is such a wonderful film about an uncle who is adored, and he comes to this small little town and with his adoring, creepily adoring niece, which, you know, we know at the beginning that grosses me out with Teresa Wright. Yeah. And um, we discover, you know, the evil comes to a small town in such a handsome, worldly figure such as Joseph Cotton. And his performance is wonderful and creepy and the best. I love that. They're human yeah. beings, 
Are they, Charlie? When he turns, turns yeah, and looks right at, up. are they squeezing yeah. animals? What happens with the animals are too big and fat? And I love yeah. the, the sister, you know, who, who is she yeah. for very much. Oh, uh, Patricia Collins. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. great. And um, he was so good in that film. And yeah. he was contemptible. I mean, you could see it. Yes, the charm, this, that. But he was just, oh. And... Um, I thought it was a sin he was not nominated, for one yeah. thing, and he wasn't even nominated, at least. And then, yeah. you know, some people loved it, some people hated it, the Magnificent Ambersons. Of course, he was in Citizen Kane. He was in mm-hmm. The Third Man. He was in so many films. He did tons with Jennifer Jones, one of my favorites, Portrait of Jenny. Yeah. Um, just tons of films. And I think that he definitely... <laughs> Definitely yeah. deserved to be nominated, and certainly, I think he deserved to win for a shadow of a doubt. I totally agree. If um, if he'd been on the ballot in uh, '43, I would have uh, voted for him as best actor. And I'm surprised he wasn't nominated because uh, that was about the flashiest part he ever got. Even though, like I said, the reason it's so great is it's realistic. He's not. It's not really a flashy killer type no, role and yet in terms of co- in terms of cotton's career it's a much flashier role because he is playing the villain and he is playing a serial killer um but uh it, it's so believable right. uh, that this man is oh my god i'm related to this monster who moves around in society quite charmingly um uh, it, that's the performance in my book that I that yes. I uh, cited him Great, for. Yeah. But you you picked the other one. I would have. I think he deserved to be nominated for was Portrait of Jenny, which is such a beautiful performance it of really this is. artist of what is the life of an artist and the the muse, the inspiration, the falling in love with something that. Uh, <laughs> it's beyond reality, right? Um, but that's a that's a really touching uh, again. See, you know, there's a recurring theme to what this whole show we was robbed. It's like people who do their job and are taken for granted because they do it so well, and that's certainly true of Myrna Loy and certainly true of Joseph Cotton and several of the other people who are going to come up. It wasn't about chewing up the scenery. It wasn't about playing alcoholics and falling down the stairs. It was just doing your job extremely well. And people, uh, it's like I said, taking it for granted. That's the only way to really to to describe it. Just like good old reliable, you know? Yeah. Which he was. And he did. He was always good in his film roles. Yeah. And, but his uncle Charlie was wonderful. And I agree with you, the portrait of Jenny, because that's one of my favorite fantasy romance kind of things. And, um, he was great. And that's not easy to play that kind of a character who's kind of in that kind of mid world kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, but he was great. You're right. He didn't chew the scenery as uncle Charlie. He was just great. And, and what Hitchcock wanted to show us was evil is not just you know, this grand evil boogeyman or Dracula or whatever. Mm -hmm. Evil comes to small towns. Evil lives in small towns. Evil is your relative. 
evil could sure. be you. <laughs> and of course, the, it came out during World War II. So then there's the whole thing of the paranoia of his, you know, the Nazis infiltration. Right. Is there a spy? I mean, of like really looking around at uh, who you actually come in contact with and are they what they seem to be? Yes. Know? And, and sure. it was just a great film. So I'm, I'm sorry that he never did get yeah. an award. And no, he never got an special award. No, not even that. Not never. even that. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your turn. Okay, well, I will go to someone a little flashier than the two we were talking about, and that's Ida Lupino, who, of course, has been getting a lot of attention lately, more for her directing career, since she, you know, for a time was just about the only woman directing in Hollywood, directing feature films, and certainly in the 1950s. Um, but, of course, that came after her rather distinguished career as a film actress, uh, particularly at Warner Brothers, even though she had to fend for herself by being at the same studio as Betty Davis in her prime and sort of grabbing what she could. Um, and yet she still had a, a fairly amazing uh, body of work she does. and a nice variety of roles. It wasn't just the same old thing, nope. even though we kind of think of her as a hard edged dame with right. the wisecracks and the cigarette. And those movies are fun, like The Man I Love and Roadhouse, but they wouldn't necessarily be ones that she would have got nominated for and she never did and she didn't get a special one um it's funny about um that she was always sort of just behind uh, betty davis because they both kind of turned their careers around in the same way because they were both in that going nowhere phase yeah, of i'm just hanging blonde. on and nothing's happening yeah. and then of course betty davis plays the hard cockney gal in of human bondage and turns it around. And five years later, Ida Lupino plays the hard cockney gal in The Light That Failed and shows everyone, wow, she's not just this little ingenue that no one knows what to do with. And that sort of, that could have brought her a supporting nomination. I'm kind of surprised it didn't because it, it, that was an extremely flashy role that she tore into. She did. But then really it's the 40s that's her, um, her prime. And... She's an interesting case because usually in those days, if you won the New York Film Critics Award, your Oscar nomination was assured because right. there was really no other award anyone paid attention to before the Oscars that you know, meant anything. And the fact that she won in 1943 for The Hard Way and that that did not translate into a nomination – is kind of surprising. She was or very shocking. good in that film, boy. And that's a Oof. that's a really juicy part of. I, I call it. It's a stage mother performance, even though she's a sister and not a mother. Right. And she's pushing kid sister Joan Leslie through the whole thing. But it's so much like a gypsy kind of plot line that nothing's going to stop this woman, and she's doing it for the stuff she wants. And her kid sister is is the way she can do it, and. Um, that's that's a juicy one that you know she deserved to be in the race for. Did you know actually, that? I just wanted yeah, to stop you briefly. Yeah, yeah that yeah. one. This is what I've read. That Ginger Rogers. It's basically they they yeah. allegedly based it on Ginger's mother, Leela, who was just yeah. really pushy, broad, and got Ginger. It was Ginger's best friend. She, you know, her husband's her first husband said, you know, it was just. Ginger, Leela, and me. And, and if yeah. you see Ginger's wedding cake when she married him, she's this huge bride on top of the cake and no groom. <laughs> that is hilarious. Did I ever show you that picture? I'm gonna no, I don't think I've ever seen it. That I have posted funny. on my thing. It is. And it's like, yeah. 
I mean, this is like El Dumo right away when yeah, you see yeah, that. Yeah. So I will post that for everybody to see. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that's a chilling. Uh, <laughs> it's a chilling movie, but right, it's that nothing will stop. You know, seemingly nothing will stop this woman's uh, ambition and drive. But you know, I think there are two other performances of Ida's that I uh, think deserved to be nominated, or at least gotten closer to being nominated and they're very different from the Ida sort of persona that we've talked about. And one is uh, her Emily Bronte in Devotion. Oh, she was very good in that. It's not a very good movie and that's the problem. Yeah. When when you're not in a very good movie, it kind of tanks you right there. The script is very disappointing, but if the the script had been better and everything else about it had been raised to the level of what she's doing, her performance as Emily is very moving and quite beautiful, and it just didn't, it just wasn't framed properly. But more than that, I think my favorite um, Ida performance, uh, and the one I might have even voted for the actual award for her, was Deep Valley in 1947, which wasn't that big a deal. And she's so, if you didn't know it, and I, I'm about to tell you what she plays. You think, wow, she's so miscast. And yet she played it so beautifully and so convincingly. And she's just this farm girl in the sort of middle of uh, sort of nowhere involved in this emotionally abusive relationship with her parents who don't speak to each other but live together. And into her life comes this escaped convict played by Dane Clark. who She helps hide him and falls in love with him. And sort of blossoms by falling in love and becoming from you know, sort of from girl to woman, and it's a really beautiful transition. It's, it's all the people behind. It's all the people film. behind Johnny Belinda, which was the next year, and that's where it sort of all came into focus, and everyone noticed John Nicolesco and photographer Ted McCord. And um, but there's a lot about this movie that reminds me of Johnny Belinda, and it's almost like a practice run. Um, yes. And it's beautifully done and she's marvelous she in really it. She really is. Yeah. I wish she, they noticed her for that. Uh, yeah. You know them, but the, it's just yeah. sometimes <laughs> it's a fun, look at it. It's like, do we really believe? And even then and now, like they say, you know, it's, it's popularity. It's putting money in and it's sometimes people who really deserve it get chosen. But, yeah. you know, that that wasn't a popular movie. It didn't no. make a lot of money, whatever. And But she yeah. did do a really nice job. And she's played those parts before. I've seen her. I know, I happen to love her in They Drive by Night. I know that's one yeah. of her flashier roles. Yeah. And her, yeah. her crazy scene. Again, a, again a, a Betty Davis part. It's right? the remake of Border Town. Yes. I actually like Ida's handling of the mad scene oh, on The Witness too. Stand better oh, than Betty too. Davis's. Yes, but, I thought uh, she was wonderful. Yeah. And Alan Hale, he was great. But I, and of course George Raft and yes. Bogey, who was not a big star actually at that point. Not yet. Not and he quite lost yet. an arm. That's how little of a star he was. <laughs> he wasn't even in the <laughs> right. movie the whole time. He had to lose his arm. <laughs> right. So, right. but That's she right. was she was good in that. But that was a flashy role. But I like the yeah. ones you chose. And I think Ida, yeah. she had a really great body of work. I, I loved her in High Sierra. Yeah. You know, yeah. I thought she was touching in that and. Um, her love for for uh, our guy, our Humphrey Bogey. Bogey, and Joan Leslie was in there at the, as that little tart who uses yeah. him to get what she needs. 
<laughs> yes, yes. And you know what? In the hard way, I have this one thing. I think Joan Leslie is supposed to be this char- – and I like Joan Leslie. But, you know, she's supposed to be this big charismatic Broadway star and she does a couple of like uh, jump rollovers and things like that. Yeah. Jack Carson was amazing in that film and I think yeah. he should have gotten nominated for – He is excellent that. in that. Yeah. He is excellent in that and so vulnerable. We don't oh, usually – he's so no. – he's a know, sweetie. You just fall yeah, in love with him. Yeah, making us laugh. But he really is vulnerable. And you're right. That was a that was a pretty impressive supporting actor performance, and yeah. just heartbreaking, really, yeah. very heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so we will go from Ida, and I guess I'm going to go to Dana Andrews. Now mm. you love him too. I do. I do like him a lot. And there are a lot of people who I don't even know if they know, but there are so many of us who love Dana because I know when I did the Dana Andrews. Um, I talked to his biographer. That oh, was, yeah. That was a, a very well-listened-to show. There's a lot of us who love Dana, and there's a lot who don't know him because he yeah. wasn't, you know, Cary Grant Clark. He wasn't this big, out-there no. kind of guy. He was a guy who went in, did his job. Often he was drunk, as the director said. But he would yeah. come in in the morning, know his lines, even if he was hungover or whatever, and do yeah. his job. Um, Dana, to me... Uh, is just such a great actor. And one of my favorite roles, he had a very small part, was the Oxbow incident. Oh, yeah. And I think his performance should have gotten a supporting actor. It is a Western. It's about mob violence. And he is hung. I'm not giving away anything because it's pretty much, that's what the whole yeah. movie's about. They right. they think that he and um, Anthony Quinn are cattle rustlers, like they're stealing stuff or whatever. And they don't take them to, they, they do their own hangings and everything. And Dana is just, he, he breaks your heart. And he writes a letter to his wife. He said, let me write a letter to my wife. Henry Fond is in it and he reads it later. And I mean, just Dana's, yeah, he wasn't in it very long, but he was that heart to me of that movie yeah. showing you yeah. how vile those those people who take you know take justice into their own hands are, sure. and um, I thought he was wonderful in that. I thought he was great in Laura. Maybe people yeah. don't think he was really working, but <laughs> he was working. He 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 played the hard edge guy, but you could see that he had that sensitivity yeah. underneath, big deep sensitivity that he tried to hide, um, and he was he was really good in that. So, well, just falling in love with her before he knows she's alive. Yes, you know? wanting the thing and, yeah, falling in love uh, and looking at the portrait and just wanting to buy the portrait and just – And then you're right. She she brings out this – when he does find her, meet her, and they and they fall in love uh, very quickly, uh, it does bring out a sensitivity in him to the surface that, you know, we've seen him with the tough guy with his little – the little thing he's always playing with. Yes, uh, the, with his the little baseball, baseball thing. game, yeah. Uh, um, and you know, he's, you, he's distant, you know, he's remote and doing the job and then he, the role is good enough and he's good enough in it to make us feel what goes on inside him. And like I said, it brings out, she brings out a whole different, uh, aspect of him and it is, he is wonderful and it. It's a, it's a better role than you think it's going to be. Yes. You know? And, you know, because it's he's not flashy. I mean, Clifton did. No. Clifton Webb. Of course, his role no. was the flashy, wonderful, oh, sure. and sure. he was great. But I think each performer did a great job in their own right, and Dana yeah. was wonderful. And I think in so many of his films, because he did a lot well, of those cop 
kind oh, of rules yeah. and things like sure. that, that people took it for granted. That well, he just, one of the, which one? Go. The, one of the crimes of the Academy Awards uh, concerns him with the best years of our lives. Oh, my God, because yes. It's about three guys. Oh, yes, yes. Two yes. of them win the Academy Award, yes. and the other one, Dana Andrews, isn't nominated, even though Dana Andrews is basically, if you had to pick one person, he's the star of the movie. He is the heart and soul. It's his movie more it than is. anybody else's. And he's the main character. That one. Yes, I and in a way, his, he's the most significant performance as well, and yet. The two other guys are great, and I don't, wouldn't really grab the Oscars out of their hands. But if I had to give an Oscar to one of them, I would have given it to Dana Andrews, and they didn't even find a place for him on the, I on the slate. I wonder why did they just? He didn't play the game. He wasn't a part of Hollywood. You just wonder sometimes because he was yeah. so good, and he was he was so great in that. And he and yeah. Teresa Wright, their, their yeah. relationship, and the whole thing. You know, with his parents, you see, literally, he yeah. comes from the wrong side of the tracks. You see the wrong yeah. tracks over there. Yeah. Wonderful uh, Gladys George, and I can't think of oh, yeah. the actor, her father. But it was just yeah. a great film all it, around. Won so it many is. And it holds up Oscars. so well. Yes, it and, does. Um, not just as a time capsule, but just the, you know, the, the whole the Teresa Wright, Dane Andrews relationship of falling in love with a married man who has a hard wife and how does he get out of it and what, what's the right thing to do and, uh, and his whole journey of, you know, I have so much potential, but where does it go? Yeah. Um, what am I going to do? And I mean, of course it's hopeful. It would have to be, or the audience would have just left <laughs> shattered, but so it's hopeful on all, in all three stories, but, but not in a sentimental sappy way, no, in, in believable ways yeah. that there are positive, this is all going to work out for the country as we've shown you through three very different stories in society. So, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. they were all great, and I enjoyed yeah. I love that movie. I've seen it so many times. And yeah, it's so great. He was one of the first depictions of PTSD, of uh, yeah. post-traumatic stress disorder, along oh, with yeah. Joseph Cat- Cotton, who in in um, since what's what's the one he he and Jimmy oh, and, Rogers. Oh. Oh, I'll be seeing you. I'll be seeing yeah, you. I'll be seeing you. He yeah, did yeah. that too. But Dana you, and and his wife's insensitivity. She was wonderful. Uh, <laughs> oh, Virginia Mayo. Oh, she yeah, was Virginia great. Mayo. Her total yeah, insensitivity. Snap yeah. out of it. Snap yeah, right. out of it. She only likes him if he's in <laughs> uniform. Yeah. Then and, he's just some guy. Right. Yeah. And he's like making uh, bologna sandwiches and, exactly. and, and chocolate sundaes. He's, he's yeah. back to his old job after being a big right. flyer making all the moolah. And right. he, it's just, you know, her versus Teresa, right? Oh, honey, I think you'd be a lot cute if you wore more makeup. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just such a, a great film. And I and, and Dana was wonderful. And he says so much with those eyes of his, you know. Yeah. And, um, geez, I wish I remembered how Eddie Muller described him, but it was such a perfect perfect one i can't remember what yeah. it was but he he was i think he was robbed <laughs> yeah I think he was right. robbed okay right. your turn next Rob. um yeah in the same vein of the dana andrews and joseph cotton type i'm gonna throw in uh, joel mccray talk about taken for granted i love him i mean he was always good he you know everyone he worked with all the top people and yet no one ever thought of him as Oscar caliber. And I think it was, you know, much later when people were looking at old movies and thinking, 
God, that guy is so modern. He's so, everything he does is so natural, so simple, economical. Yes. He's like a modern day film actor. He's there's ne- never anything melodramatic, or no. he never he never does anything that now you go, is he kidding with that accent or that mustache or no, you know anything no. like that? <laughs> it's it's always not true. He I guess his range you wouldn't say he had this outstanding range, but but he did do drama and westerns and of course romantic comedies and excellent all the times. So he kind of knew what he wanted to do or what he was confident to do and then did it, you know, in a first rate manner every time out. Um, I love him in things that he never would have been nominated for, but things like these three or Primrose Path. Oh, me too. Oh, but my God. Yes. How could he not have been nominated for Sullivan's Travels? Which, which is an amazing movie. Amazing. The best role he ever got in the Golden Age. Um, and it's, you know, he's very, very funny in it. And then he has that beautiful speech at the end that he delivers, you know, flawlessly. And if that was, if there was ever one that it just seemed like he had to be nominated for that. That's the one. And then there's one other one. And then his is much later was ride the high country in 1962 is sort of a swan song, uh, sort of a, the sort of final comment on a lifetime of being in Westerns. And that performance is one of the greatest in terms of, and it transcends the Western genre, just in the subject matter of an older person looking back on a life and taking stock and basically asking, what was it all about? And if it wasn't about that much, is it too late for me to change that? And it's just such a profound idea. And he acts it so incredibly well and it's it's a magnificent movie and it's a great great performance but the kind that is easily overlooked because it's not flashy or in, in any way but it's deep yeah and he's so good and i, I you know he's good looking you know he's i think he's, i think he's a real hunk but to some people because he didn't have that mustache or that accent or whatever you know he he just wasn't uh, seen as like this hubba hubba, but to me he's hubba hubba much more so than a lot of the other actors. Well, also like I was saying about you know Ida was in the shadow of Betty Davis, Joel McRae was kind of always in the shadow of Gary Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes literally in terms of you know Hitchcock wanted uh, Cooper for foreign correspondent, but he ended up getting Joel McRae. I mean that's one example, but you could see how many of those romantic comedies. Maybe Joel was the second one on the list, um, but but you certainly would never never think, oh, this would have been so much better if Joel hadn't been in it. Or he Gary always Cooper. gives yeah. everything you want. Palm um, Beach Story, incredible. More the merrier, yeah. yeah I mean, he's just st- fabulous. Stars in My Crown is another one that I love. Uh, so yeah, he. I wonder he would probably be surprised at how uh, high high he's held now by a lot of film fans because I don't think there was a lot of discussion in the in the old days about how great Joel McRae was. It was more of yeah, he's a good he does the job. He does the <laughs> yeah. job. You know, he's passable. He's okay. He shows up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was married. He married. Yeah, to lovely gorgeous D for yeah. They stayed Ages. married yeah, forever. Whoever died first, I don't. I think he, it was he. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah, and they were together forever. And you know, he they weren't like Mr. and Mrs. Flashy Hollywood. They actually yeah. had a working ranch, yeah. and um, it's 
uh, he was great, and I'm glad that you chose him. And yeah, I love him. I th- I think he's wonderful. He's he's one of my favorite. I think too. Me too. I, really like I think him. he is my favorite. He is my favorite. I mean, it's always nice to pick someone that's not everyone's favorite. I know. So, well, like instead of saying, "Yeah, Cary Grant's my favorite old movie star," well, yeah, who else? I mean, <laughs> uh, who else Bogart. would you pick? Yeah, that? Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. But that's uh, I would pick Joel. Yeah. yeah, he's he's one of them. I have a list of my faves that, you know, wouldn't, you know, they're not your typical picks either. I'm like yeah. you, you know, because I kind of, we really, if you're really a true classic Hollywood fan and film lover, you know, you kind of see the other actors too. Some yeah, just know, okay, um, I'm just going to use this. I love Audrey Hepburn, but I hate Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, people, I've watched it with me and they're like, why does this get so much this or that? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I just don't like it. I know most Mm -hmm. people love it and I love Audrey Hepburn, but I just don't like the movie. And I don't, you know, whoever would believe she was Lula May married to uh, (laughs) (laughs) Buddy Ebsen, you know. Right, I know what you mean. I know, but but I'm digressing here. Yeah, yeah. So reel me in. (laughs) Okay. So you did Joe McRae. Yeah, back yeah. to you. Back, back to you. To me. Okay, so Joe McRae. Fred McMurray, another mm-hmm. one who's sort of like a Joel McRae. I mean, Absolutely. he's very good looking. Um, he did comedies in the 30s, a lot of comedies. He did a lot with Carol Lombard. He did one that mm. cracked me up with Claudette Colbert. I can't remember the name of it. He played a sand hog. Um, oh, that's No Time for Love. <laughs> yeah, no Time for Love. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And then he could do drama. Look at him in um, uh, the one with, shoot, Edward Double, 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 double indemnity. indemnity. Yeah, yeah. He did a lot of noir roles. He did that. He was he was fabulous baby in that. I loved him in that. And mm. and then uh, I thought he was great. But, you know, the rule, the one I think he should have definitely been nominated and won was for The Apartment. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. There was nothing. He just played a contemptible worm. Yeah. And um, there really wasn't anything good about his character. He was just no. a slimeball user. Yeah. And um, he was great. And it's, you know, it's it's interesting because those Double Indemnity and The Apartment are both Billy Wilder and how Billy Wilder was the guy – and he did the same thing with Ray Milland in The Lost Weekend, who could see those light comedian types and think, wow, wouldn't it be cool to see the darkness in these people? Same thing with William Holden, Sunset Boulevard. These basically, before Billy Wilder got his hands on them, these sort of lightweight types or seemingly lightweight types and how fascinating it is for the audience to sort of look under that gleaming facade and see the potential for darkness in these people. And, and it was a stroke of genius each in each of those cases. And I think, like you said, particularly in the apartment, I think the reason he, he probably wasn't nominated for the apartment, it was that you know, he's billed with the two stars like a star. Mm. He certainly couldn't have been up for best actor. That would have been ridiculous. Yes. But was his part supporting? It, it Technically, it is. But it's in sometimes they're in that in between thing. Yeah. And it and it gets in the way. And I think uh, in that that's a good example. Because Jack Crucian, who plays the doctor, was nominated yes. for supporting actor, but McMurray's somewhere between Jack Lemmon and Jack Crucian, and there's it's almost like he just fell between the cracks. But that probably is uh, of all his performances the one that stands out as the most sort of 
you would think of as award worthy. Yeah. He was great in that. He really was. Yeah. And I couldn't stand him. And yeah. <laughs> you just loathe him. And yeah. he just takes everything for granted. And he's such a lying pig. Yeah. <laughs> that, you, you know, the ending is great. If you've not seen the apartment, definitely sure. see it. Um, didn't, did Shirley McLean, she got nominated for that? Yes. Yeah, Jack, Jack Lemon and, and Shirley McLean were nominated. Yeah. So it's it sort a, of canceled, maybe. I, I don't know, but I, he certainly wasn't the star, but right, he was. Right. But he was, um, I don't know, he was so good. I love that he was so good that this woman thought, yeah. I think he did a flubber or something like comedy prior. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. It did happen during those Disney years. Yes. Shaggy Dog and Absent Minded. You know, it, it was in the mix of all of that, it which made it you. even more shocking that yes. he was in it. And shows you what a great actor he is. But, yeah. they, you know, the daughter was saying this, too, and I had read it before, you know, that they were at Disneyland and a, mother, a woman came up to him and smacked him with her pocketbook and said, I took my kids to see the apartment. We thought it was going to uh, be funny, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she beat him up. Yeah. And he said, I will never do one of those movies again. I'm sure yeah. she must have had a, a mean right hook or something. I and don't know. But he never it, did. It's funny because that's probably the movie he'll be most remembered for in terms of uh, the feature films. Um, in terms of one that's never going away. I mean, it's a Best Picture winner. So, it's so um, good. I can watch it over. Yeah, he's also in one of my all-time favorite movies from pre-Billy Wilder uh, was uh, Remember the Night with Barbara Stanwyck. Oh, I love that one, too. Which I love. He's and so that's, good in that yeah, movie. He's wonderful, and that's, again, from more from his romantic comedy years and, and his handsome years. Um, but right, he was really good in things like The Gilded Lily and Hands Across the Table and just uh, just one of those first-rate, easygoing, always reliable romantic comedy leading men, which are easy to take for granted. Oh, he's just charming. He's walking through it. But it's a, it's a skill. It is you know, a skill, a and skill. it kills me. That's why they're so natural. It's such a natural yeah. thing. Right, right. And, and he was great. He could do yeah. his comedies. He was very handsome. You know, sure was, he was, yeah. And, you know, he's sort of like a, a Joel McRae in many respects. He was yes, not absolutely. Mr. Hollywood. He was not at all. And, you know, he didn't, you know, you're not going to read about him in the scandal rags or anything like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of part of it. But I, I do believe he was wonderful and he should get mm-hmm. props. Yes. Next for you. Um, so this is. I guess my finale, and I guess perhaps it's the most egregious example of someone who was never nominated because there were so many opportunities and they missed every single one of them. Edward G. Robinson. I mean, uh, how could he not have been nominated for Little Caesar in 31? It's uh, becoming a new star of the talkies, basically putting the gangster film on the talkie map, the pre-code map. Uh, It's before Public Enemy. It's before Scarface. It was kind of groundbreaking. I mean, it made him a superstar, defined him for the next 40 years, uh, and he wasn't nominated. It's just, that's that's kind of mind-blowing. Why do you think... I, I, that's why I haven't, I, there's no explanation. The movie was a box office hit, well-reviewed, uh, made him a star. Uh, you can see from the movies he does right after the kind of billing he has. He's, He's amazing. something to sell because of that movie. Um, 
yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. But of course, Cagney wasn't nominated for the Public Enemy, and Muni wasn't nominated for Scarface. So I don't know if it was a if there was a snobbery about the genre, and they were you know more impressed with things like Disraeli and th- those kinds yeah. of things at the time, Henry VIII, and th- that kind of yeah. what an actor is. Um, and this was so grubby. <laughs> boy, but, oh boy, but, was it? Yeah. Uh, but you know. And then I, I would think, you know, what it's four years later, he's so fabulous, uh, flipping the whole thing on its ear and the whole town's talking. Yes. In which he plays another gangster, but his lookalike, <laughs> who's this mild, meek little guy, office employee, and he's hilarious, uh, sort of spoofing himself. And then go five years later, and he's playing a real Paul Muni role, Dr. Ehrlich's, in, in Dr. Ehrlich's Magic Bullet. Um, this, you know, very typical Muni-esque kind of biopic of a scientist. And it's so underplayed and he's, you know, covered with a beard and all barely recognizable, but nothing hammy or over the top. It's a very moving performance. Then keep going. You got the villain of Wolf in the Sea Wolf. That seems to have Oscar all over it. Yes. Yes. And then, um... The again, one of his meeker roles, the woman in the window, the film noir from Fritz Lang. Which I, is, I prefer um, Scarlet Street, where he played Scarlet Street. Yes, right after. Yeah, there two were again similar milk in terms toast. of what he, he's yeah, like, milk toast. That's he's like the a word, yeah. cuckold from his yeah. wife, who is a horror story, who married him, and he gets uh, used by the beautiful Joan Bennett and Dan Yeah, Yay. and it is a. A wonderful performance. Wonderful performance. So he could go from, like I said, play meek and mild and pathetic and then play sort of terrifying. And the last one I'll mention that I would have imagined he would have been nominated for was Key Largo as Johnny Rocco, which sort of is like the great companion piece to Little Caesar. It's like two decades later and he's, you know, still the king of the mob, whatever. Trying to make his comeback. Fabulous, you know. Every line reading, the the, the nastiness with his uh, mall, uh, Claire uh-huh. Trevor, and she was wonderful. Uh, she got the yeah, Academy Award. She got for her the role. Academy yeah. Award, but you know that her big scene is so much with him, right? Um, and the way he treats her. Uh, so I mean, I just named what seven or whatever. Not a nomination among any of them, as you had said to me earlier that um, you know he did get this special Oscar, but he wasn't. I think he was alive when they told him he was getting yes, it, but he, he was dead it. by the he time the, they would have presented it to him. So they they tried, but too little, too late. And it's but like awful. I said, I, it's, I can't believe that someone of that stature was n- never mind, never won, but was never in the race. I don't so. really understand. Maybe I just don't get it. You know, yeah. he never, to me, gave a bad performance. Now, Soylent yeah. Green... He was the best part of the movie. His yeah. little role as Saul, the guy who had been yeah. around, who knew what food was, who, and who had books and had knowledge, and he was just this little old guy, and he was so wonderful. Yeah, he did. I mean, a lot of good stuff as an older man, like mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Kid and the Hole in the Head. He was, you know, he did. He continued to work, um, but you know, he never. Had, I don't know. It's they really again. There's he was robbed and. And even if he'd only gotten one nomination for Little Caesar, at least that would have, well, they recognized him when he came on the scene, but they didn't even do that. So, yeah, and there was so, he was so good. And he was good in double indemnity as, oh, as absolutely, that. Yeah. You know, just, 
he he loved Fred McMurray like a son, and and he was mm. just so good. It was such a good role for him. He was great yeah. in everything. I just love him. Is it the fact? And I'm just gonna throw things out. Um, he was not popular in Hollywood. Was it a fact that people didn't think he was attractive enough? Is it the fact <sighs> of different things? I don't know, but um, how dare they if, if it's how any of those they, yes. things? Because he is an yeah. amazing actor. Betty Davis once said, though, they said, who is your least favorite? Um, I didn't even know she had a love scene with him. I'm trying to think of what she starred off. She was, in Kid, Ga- she was in Kid Galahad oh, with him. that's right, yeah. But she's falling out of love with him from the, you know, and yeah. moving toward Wayne Morris from the minute the movie starts, I believe. So. Yeah, so she said, she said all the women would say he was the grossest to kiss. Oh, God. Poor baby. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. You often, I often wonder. And then, the, you know, like you said, and even other people say, oh, they're so good. It doesn't even look like they're acting. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's not like he just, but, it, but to, you know, it's not like he just played gangsters. Like I said, no. he kept stepping out. Brother the, Orchid, what a ride. But those were the, the things that you think he would have gotten nominated for. Like Cary Grant got his two nominations when he stepped out of the, the mold. And but Edward G. Robinson stepped out of his own mold many times, so, so many. they had plenty of opportunities to go. Wow, we didn't think he could do that, but they still didn't didn't bite. I and mean, I don't understand why. I don't I get the mentality behind that because he, to me, of all of them, he was. Yeah. They were all robbed, but he was the most robbed. I think of the ones we're talking yeah. about because there were yeah. so many, so many a lifetime of incredible films. Okay, yeah. so this is mine. Um, uh, there was a couple more, but I was thinking you you mentioned Marilyn to me, and yeah. um, uh, do you do you think I don't think they took her seriously? Obviously, as no, an obviously, actress yeah. or a human, yeah. which yeah. movie do you think she would have should have been nominated for? Oh, the, I think she should have won for Bus Stop. I mean, I oh, think she that's was a, very good in that movie. That's a great performance, it and is. it wasn't very Marilyn, or you know, compared no. to what she'd done prior. No, she was really playing a character. Um, of course, it was beautiful and vulnerable in in, in a Marilyn type way, but it was not Laura Lightley. It was not the girl in How to Marry a Millionaire. I mean, it was it was a role, and she was playing a character. And she's funny, and she's touching, and she's and she's great. And vulnerable, and, and they should like have they should have nominated her. But I think you're right. There still was a little snobbery about. Well, yeah, you were good. You're gonna have to do more than that, though. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't so, know what more she could have done, but yeah. Yeah, she's um, the, the bleach blonde babe, and I don't know. I don't know that she was really beloved by the Hollywood community. I don't Probably think she, I don't not. think so. You know, I think she had her own little clique of people, but she certainly could have been nominated for some like it hot. But I think by then, yeah, I think she probably. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think she was certainly being taken for granted, and yeah, it's certainly the guy's movie. It's their story, right. and she's secondary, but she's also kind of magical in the part, and you wouldn't want anybody else there. No. And, Certainly in The Misfits, which was a, obviously a, not a hit, so that was doomed not to get nominations. And also Clark got killed. And yeah, right I mean, there was so right much after. sadness surrounding yeah. it, but she's got some beautiful scenes in that. She does. And and even she, when she came on the scene with Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, I could see, you know, it was a rather frothy, frivolous musical, but 
she's extremely funny in it. And oh my she God, How to Marry star. Millie in you? Yeah. I thought she was yeah, a riot I mean, in that. Yeah, so with all that, you know, there had there should have been a nomination in there, certainly. Yeah, the, and Jean Harlow in her time. Yeah, same, in a very similar way. Yes. Like, Dinner at Eight, you know, hilarious. Red Dust, hilarious. She uh, was so good, and she was just a kid. That's the whole thing when you think about I it. Know, she was like 21, 22 when she was doing... You know, doing comedy, like yeah. I said, dying's easy, comedy <laughs> right. is hard. And it right. is very hard. And she just had that natural. And, of course, in that, that kind of thing, they're not going to take you seriously because they think if no. you're doing comedy, then you're not really an actor. But she, And especially if you're gorgeous and wearing right. tight, tight-fitting clothes, it, it doesn't and help your bleach serious actress credentials. Yeah. 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 But, um, she was very good and... But you know she's not. She she was not going to be nominated. And she only she had a small body of work. But I thought yeah. I love her mo- I most of her movies, mm-hmm. and I just love Jean. And I just wanted to. I think we should finish off on Maureen O'Hara and what mm-hmm. they did to her. She was never nominated for any of her work. Mm-hmm. Um, Maureen's not my favorite actress. I no. you know I like her, but. I, I don't go out of my way to watch her film. She's not like a Barbara Stanwyck or something like sure. that to me. Sure. Um, but, you know, she did quite a few films, never nominated. Maybe Quiet Man, perhaps she she would have been. A, I liked her in Dance, uh, the, the dance two Girl women, Dance, dance yeah. Girl Dance, yeah. and different roles. And, you, you know, most all of you know her from Miracle on 34th Street, which was, you know, a role. But the, this is what I'm, I, I'm talking about. I, I read this today that. You know, Maureen lived a long time. I think she lived to be about 95, and she had her wits about her. She was right there. They waited until 2014. Maureen was 94 years old in a wheelchair, wearing a wig. Couldn't they have given it to her, let's say, when she was 84 or something? Yeah. (laughs) You know, why 94 years old? I think often what happens, and maybe in Myrna Loy's case, Edward G. Robinson's case, somebody tips them off that someone is near death. Now, true, when you're 95, you're automatically near death, but whatever. <laughs> and they try to make amends at the last minute, and it's, um, oh. you know, whatever, however good the intentions are, it never looks good. It, it still always looks like, why? If you're going to do this, why didn't you do it 20 years ago? Even 10 years um, ago, she did. I think she did that ago. movie with John um, Candy. Oh, yeah, John Candy. Maybe yeah. right after that, they should have given, yeah. not, you know, like a special Oscar then, yeah. but to wait until she She's ninety four and crawled yeah. over. It, it's it to me. It was disgusting. I think you're. I think you're right though. The the quiet man was probably her strongest yes. shot at a possible nomination because the role was so ferocious. Yes, you know? she was a feisty. <laughs> uh, yeah, it uh, was her, her. She was in her element, doing her thing at its most. Yeah. You know, and. Um, I also really like her a lot. It wouldn't have been a, a kind of a nomination kind of part, but in Rio Grande with John Wayne as well, because the, you know they're a separated couple and they still have strong feelings, and there's all beautiful scenes together. And you think, well, if you had more opportunities, because so many of her movies are costume pictures right. that uh, you know they weren't really actable. They were just wear the beautiful clothes and shoot me in Technicolor, and we're or- good. You know. 
um, in the, you know, Esmeralda. She wasn't in beautiful clothes, but she was absolutely yeah. beautiful. Or yeah, How Great right. Is My Valley. I mean, she's so yeah. young and beautiful. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think The Quiet Man, that's it. But she did, you know, but I, I like I said, I'm not, I'm, Westerns aren't my favorite genre. Yeah. And I like Maureen, but she's not my favorite. Well, not not no. in my favorite act list at all. But I just think it's outrageous that they waited till she was 94. She wrote a biography, I think, when she was about 80. Yeah. Come on, you guys, get with it. You know, yeah. she could, we could drop dead at any minute. Just because you're, you're 40 doesn't mean you can but you know, Dude, 80, I remember. 90, yeah, I remember oh. being at like uh, the at the film uh, in the film theater at the MoMA uh, many years ago, and some devout film fan was going around the audience asking us to sign a petition to get Ida Lupino a special Oscar. And I, would, of course, I signed it, and you thought that was a moment when they should have done it. Like people, we were on to it. And of course, they just let it go by. And I'm sure they're looking now. It's like, wow, you didn't not you didn't give an honorary Oscar to not just a major actress of the golden age, but a pioneer for women in in the, the director's chair. And, and noir, uh, she directed. Yeah. now she's and, like directing. And it's women's not like she part. wasn't around to right. be available to win something. And and there's so little. Often, so little respect. That's what for I the think past. it is, and it yeah. just really kind of makes me sick. I think. Yeah. I think didn't Deborah? Uh, Deborah Carr. Deborah Carr. Yeah, she got a final one and was there to uh, an honorary but she one was, and was not there to accept it in her her right. You know, poor she, thing. She was. She just didn't seem. They waited too. I mean, at least she was there and able to accept it, and make a speech. True. So that puts her ahead of a lot of them. Yeah. But but you're right. That that also came later than it should have. I, I believe. And yeah. she she was nominated. She just never she was nominated won. six times. I mm-hmm. think I guess she still has the record for the most in the best actress category. To never without won. a without a win. And look at Barbara Stanwyck, like you said. Yeah. I mean, she oh was, God, Rosalind Russell, Greta geez, Garbo. How I mean, many? It makes you sick. Did just yeah. amazing yeah. parts. Yeah. But we just wanted to do the one today yeah of people great who idea. was robbed and they was yeah. robbed so was. uh let us know what you think about these people being robbed and i had a good time and thank you for not i think i'm doing better i got off you track are. for a minute i didn't, I didn't have to get my lasso out once <laughs> no you're long distant lasso okay do your joe mccray shut up boy yeah <laughs> you right. do, yeah play him i said shut up or you're not gonna get a drink Johnny, please. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I want to thank John DeLeo, who has so many wonderful books, and he has a new one coming out, but we can't talk about it. And I will link (laughs) you up to John's page, and you can check out all of his wonderful books. And uh, I want to thank you for being a wonderful guest, and you will be back on again, of course, I hope. And we'll do another topic. Great. Because there's so many things we can talk about. Jeez. And Never because, ends. But, Don't worry. Yes. And this, to me, was a really good one for a yeah. season. So Perfect. thank you so much, John, for coming on again. I so appreciate it. My pleasure. It. I always have a good time. Me, too. I feel a lot better after I yelled with you. <laughs> and um, thank you guys for listening. And I'm sorry I have been a little inconsistent with doing the shows, but a lot of stuff's going on behind the scenes for me. But I, I should be settling down next week-ish or so. So thank you, everybody. And thank you, John DeLeo. And I will link you up with this page. You can check out all his books and all his stuff. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, John. Bye. Stories of Tinseltown.